We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. are back with another episode of the Bearcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Andy, along with me, my co-host, Rob, and we have a special guest today, Zach Angelillo, former fullback, now proud, proud graduate of the University of California, Berkeley. I should say before we start, we are, of course, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. How could I forget? Don't forget to hustle. When you hustle, make sure to bring your blue wire, and that makes blue wire hustle, even though we're not being sponsored by that today. I'll still mention it, because we're trying to get some bonus points from the, from the overlords. <laughs> from the mothership. <laughs> from the mothership. But anyways, we're not here to talk about that. I'm going to mute myself here in a second. Zach, what is going on? You want to give us like a quick uh, hello, life update, status update? What are you up to? How you guys doing? Uh, appreciate you guys having me on first and foremost. Um, definitely been wanting to connect with you guys for a while and uh, grateful for the opportunity. Um, just, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, people people that know me know that I uh, recently decided to enter the transfer portal. I'm going to be graduating this summer and um, just looking for a new home to get a master's degree and keep playing ball and um, just wanted to come on and say, uh, you know, kind of not really my goodbyes because I'm always going to be a bear, but just to talk, talk to the Cal fans and all that and uh, just kind of express my gratitude and, you know, give a little capstone on, on my time here and all that. So I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to do so. I have a question to start. Like, you're, we've, we talked to guys before they announced they're going into the portal. We've talked to guys after they've exited the portal. This is the first time I think anyone's talking to someone that is currently in the portal. What, what is it like being in the portal? Is it a dark place? Like, do they serve you food? Like, what what is it like being inside the portal? Like, it's so mysterious to us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really know exactly what to expect going in. But now that I'm in it, I will tell you, I feel like 17-year-old Zach Angelillo again going through high school recruiting. It's tr- I mean, it's really very, very simple. I mean, I've only been in for seven days, but so far I'm just like, yeah, I remember – Twitter DMing a coach in my bedroom in my parents' house in Fresno. Like that's literally <laughs> what it feels like. 
And uh, it's it's really just kind of like the same thing so far. And I will say, I think the coaches are a little bit more straightforward now because to my understanding, you know, when coaches are looking for grad transfers or transfers, they kind of have an idea of like, okay, we need a guy to come in and like be able to play immediately because they what their what their mindset is is we don't have the time to develop you know a 17 or 18 year old you know I'll be 22 by the time I go to my next school and you know I'm a grown man so the uh, I think the mindset of these coaches is they have a very you know particular plan with okay we need a fullback we need a receiver we need a quarterback now so it's not as much of like a string along type thing as high school recruiting can be where they just kind of want to keep you interested. I think now they're kind of like, we're interested in you. Like, let's see what you got. Let's see what we can do here. So in my experience, it is kind of like going back to high school recruiting, but it's a, it's a little more uh, adult, I guess you would say, as far as like the communication goes, which is appropriate. So, yeah. Are you in there as a fullback or a linebacker or whatever, you know, like places want you to play? Uh, I'll say this, I believe that I'm better suited as a fullback and I believe that that's where I can help teams, you know, win games and be a, be a difference maker. So I'm trying to play fullback and that can include an H back kind of tight end hybrid role a little bit too. It doesn't have to be a traditional, you know, I formation fullback, but on the offensive side of the ball. Sweet. Andy, got anything about the transfer portal or his position and, and such? Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm going to ask all the the dumb questions and then just feel free to you know opt out of them. So, uh, <laughs> oh, opting out the yeah, phrase if, of the past couple months. If there's yeah. any, yeah, exactly. If there's anything that I'm saying that you don't want to touch on, you feel free to just yeah, be like, for sure. no thanks. But I'm curious uh, when it comes to how this all works, just from an outsider's perspective, is this something where you looked at particular grad programs at Cal and then were like, oh, I don't see a path. Maybe they didn't have that for you at Cal. And that's when you decided to leave. Or was it, hey, you know, I might want to just like go to try something different, shift the environment. Like, What was uh, a little bit more into the decision that, you know, you decided to hop into this mysterious world of the portal? Yeah. You know, frankly, it didn't have anything to do with um, the academics. I, you know, and as, as much as I wish, you know, I, I well, as much as you guys would probably wish for a, a juicy story about the conversations with the coaches and all that, it's just, it's just not appropriate to be public information. And I know you guys understand that, but, um, I think, you know, to, to, to boil it down, it just, it just came down to, um, you know, putting myself in the best position to succeed and the coaches couldn't have been better to me about that. And, you know, it's, there's a great deal of mutual respect between us. They want nothing but the best for me. I want nothing but the best for the program. Um, you know, I'm looking out for myself and it's a business decision for myself. And uh, they understand that. And they were very, you know, forthright with me about, you know, things that were going to happen. And so I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't have asked for a better way for, for it to go down. And of course, you know, there's a little bit of disappointment, I think, on both of our ends, honestly. But um, it's just, you know, it, this is how it's working out. And um, the coaches have been amazing to me. The teammates have been amazing to me. They've, you know, they've been by my by my side for the past three years and nothing's changed between us. And, um, you know, it is it is what it is. College football is a business. You can say it all you want, but that's, you know, that's what it is. Yeah. All right. Well, let me back up. Let me hit, on, hit you with another one. Yeah. Back in 2019... I tweeted out that we had no quarterback. 
<laughs> did did Garber see that tweet and or listen to this podcast? He saw it and he mentioned you by name. You're on his uh, bad word list. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, he actually he texted me. He said before you go on the podcast, make sure you let him know I hate his guts. But, Excellent. Awesome. <laughs> none of the above happened. <laughs> so plus or minus five of current players that listen to this podcast. Uh, every single one of us listened to it. I don't know what you're talking about. What a what a horrible question. <laughs> we actually like, actually what we do is we listen to it in the locker room before practice. So oh, it's, great. it's it's you guys are actually bulletin board material. Just in case you didn't know. Perfect. I yeah. mean, that's if you, what if you say thought. if you say if you say something bad about one of us, everybody talks about it and it breaks our hearts. So is it a situation where if we say something good about someone, they just kind of slowly back? Like the Simpsons meme, like they just they just back away because no, they're being they're we being actually, said something nice about them. So so you guys are in you guys are in for a real treat because we call that rat poison. So anytime you say something good about one of us, oh. it's like oh don't listen to that that's outside noise. And if you say something oh. bad about us, we hate you. So it's like you can't win, so don't try to. Damn, <laughs> damn. Wait, wow. what? Why do I know the rat poison reference? What was that from? That was a. Uh, uh, damn it. I should know this. I'm embarrassed that I even said that out loud. Save Anyways. it. Save it. I'm, pr- I'm pretty you. sure it's Saban. Yeah, it's actually, no, it's Justin it. Wilcox, but yeah. Well, actually, Wilcox does say it too, but it's, you know, I think I think the term rat poison is Saban, but Wilcox, you know, Coach Wilcox likes to say say it as well. And it's it's true. I mean, you know, it's true, but yeah. Can't, I can't listen to the good stuff, huh? Yeah, you guys have a, thank, a thankless job, so I hope, but, I mean, but, thank, you for, but thank you for your service. <laughs> if we're in a lose-lose situation anyways, I guess we might as well keep doing this. Yeah, I mean, like, you might as well. <laughs> if, if, anything, if anything, when Cal wins the national championship, we can say that all the negative things we've said spurred them to get to this point. You know, yeah. I, love, I love that you said win. Because it's going to happen. I, I, yeah. I 100% believe that. It's, but it's there. It's there. It, it's there. It's there. It's there. We, we're not putting a time on it, but it's there. <laughs> it's there. And uh, yeah, no, I'm kidding. You guys are great. We, we love everyone that, you know, says nice things about us, but we don't like hearing the nice things. So <laughs> I still take credit for us winning the uh, 2019 big game because ever since I came on and went ham after that North Texas game. We had a whole different quarterback situation. <laughs> so where were you during the cheese bowl? <laughs> I was in the press box. Oh man, I was there in person. How do you think I developed this? Who I am the, today? The the cheese the cheese bowl is the single best day of my life. I'll say that. <laughs> were were you just like what? Yeah, let's talk about that. So was, let's break open the cheese bowl. I was. Do we want uh, to go there? Why do we want to go there? Everyone I mean, wants to go there. Everyone Everybody wants to go w- there. I mean. You guys know Big Cat on Twitter. Like, if you just any there's National Cheese It Bowl Day thanks to him. So that's just it's it's a real treat. Every every time it comes around, I'm like, yeah, I was there. And like my uh, my group chat with my cousins, like they'll sometimes just be like, hey, do you guys remember the Cheese It Bowl? And I'm just like, thanks, guys. Like, <laughs> I I was I was literally I was literally a red shirting freshman. Like I I wasn't even dressed out. I was just like sitting on the sideline watching this and being like, what is going on? <laughs> I, I honestly had no words, but it's, yeah, the single most electric game of college football that would be played. That's Ever. actually somewhat comforting that a football player watching the game on the sideline felt exactly the same way of us sitting in the press box. It's just what is going on here. What was it? Seven interceptions? Yeah. 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 I mean, it was 
it was just ever at some point I think everybody kind of yeah twenty so twenty nineteen big game we won that that was great <laughs> <laughs> we got that, that was awesome back. yeah uh, what do you make of Dancy already saying that the axe is coming back to Berkeley next year Marcel Dancy is maybe one of the not maybe he is one of the most driven and you know passionate individuals I've had the pleasure of knowing and if he puts his mind to something he's gonna get it so. You know, Marcel saying that it's not a, it's not, you know, just for Twitter. He, he's, he, I'll tell you, he is probably right now doing push ups or something, getting, getting ready to carry that rock and, and score the winning touchdown. So that's, I mean, you guys should really, you guys should have him on. Honestly, he's amazing. We're, you know, really good friends and we're actually uh, working this uh, youth camp right now. And um, it's safe. Don't worry. We have the masks and the distancing and they were outside, but we're working this youth camp with several of the other guys, coins out there, uh, Tino's out there. And, um, Alex in the third is actually running it. And, uh, yeah, he, he's not leaving Berkeley. So, <laughs> and, uh, um, but yeah, he, yeah. Um, sells awesome. So yeah, he, we're, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be a Cal Bears fan and, uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to be tuning in for that, for that big game next year. Excited to see the guys ball out. I mean, if we're talking about previous games, might as well. I I need to ask this too. The Washington game last year, like the the thunderstorms, the break, however long. Like, give me your perspective on it. Like, what was it like? Just you know, we we got the we got the you know the the Cal players at the podium. Like you know, we just tried to stay ready and all that. But like as a real player, like in that locker room. For God knows how long, when you don't even know if the game's actually going to be like played out, you know, down the line or not. Like, what was happening in there? Like, you don't need to give us the details because I don't want you to, uh, you know, to to break the code <laughs> of the team and your teammates and your friends. Um, but just from like you, like just uh, being in there and all that. So this isn't the answer you want to hear because I don't have any information on it because I actually wasn't even on the travel roster oh, for that game. So I was in my apartment upsetting. in Berkeley, you know. I I was like literally just like sitting on my couch. I got like a pizza and I was like ready to watch. But yeah, I I didn't make the travel squad for that game. So so, so then for you, were you there just like sitting there like just waiting? Oh, I stayed. Up, I stayed up the whole time. I was like, I'm not gonna. You know what I mean? Like even if I wasn't on the travel squad for that particular yeah, yeah, yeah. game, which you know my my freshman year I didn't travel at all, and then my redshirt freshman year I, I traveled. I was you know off and on. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. kind of just like you know, can we bring Zach along? All right, cool. <laughs> but uh, um, I, yeah, so I was not on it for UW, and uh, I was I was you know intently watching. I was I it, it didn't change the channel. I was waiting for them to get back going, and you know I was I was thinking to myself, I was like, when do they call it? I was like I was like <laughs> when, I was like what time? I was like what time do they have to be like this? Just is not going to happen. But you know it happened and. That was awesome. So that was that was pretty exciting. It was exciting. It was unique. Cal Cal football. I I will go to my grave defending has had the most unique like games since you know I I don't know if, I don't know if that's since forever. But like if you th- I mean even if you think about like the bit like the play like stuff like that like I don't know what it is. It's just it gets freaky in Berkeley or wherever Berkeley is. But yeah, it's, you know <laughs> yeah about aired that Arizona. The Hail Mary in Arizona, the big game this year. I mean, yeah. just always, man. Always. Yeah. It just sort of follows you your whole life. 
<laughs> Who knows? It never, it never leaves. <clears throat> well, Zach, let's let's uh let's move on a little bit in the conversation. Um, you talked about doing that youth camp with the kids, uh, but you know when the pandemic hit and all of you guys were kind of forced to go home or stay in the area, you know, without football. It up in limbo, really, right, for a while before they said it was canceled. Then they said it wasn't canceled. And then you guys got back and started practicing and all that stuff. But, you know, you were highlighted a bit with all the community service work that you did back in your hometown. Um, and the it also I read that you organized a, uh, a march uh, for so- social injustice um, while you were down there as well. Um, talk about, like, how that went about and how it came to, to uh, fruition. Yeah, which one do you want to hear about first? Let's let's talk about the social justice because that's what you study. That's what you're studying to finish, or yeah. you're going to finish studying at yeah. Cal in a, in a couple of months. So yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I I think first and foremost, it's just important to acknowledge that we as a country are facing a lot of uh, social injustice and you know issues that have that really we've been in for you know before any of us were born. And I think certain, um, certain political and certain, you know, world events have brought those to light and, or maybe just, you know, brought our attention to them more. And I think that, um, you know, coming to Cal and deciding what I want to study, which is, you know, the impact of American public policy on race and social inequality. Um, I, you know, I, I felt very, um, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Outraged, honestly about everything that was going on and just having the, you know, the thought of, you know, seeing all these, seeing all these people, um, being murdered and seeing, you know, the injustice in, in our country and seeing people defend that injustice too. And thinking, you know, this, this could be my friend. It just, it, it hurt me as someone that would never have to face those injustices. And I think to me, it was kind of like a wake up call a little bit to, to think, Hey dude, this is what you're studying. Why are you just sitting on Twitter and watching it? And I just kind of was like, 
all right. So I called um, Elon Page, who's a who's a trainer and mentor in Fresno, and I well I, I had called him multiple times throughout that whole event, talking to him, just picking his brain and trying to get trying to gain his perspective. And we eventually kind of came to the conclusion we were like, you know, let's let's do something. And at first it was kind of like. Uh, Elon had the idea. He said, you know, maybe we do a, a prayer vigil. I was, okay, that's good. You know, and then I said, maybe we, you know, gather, you know, athletes from, um, athletes from the area. Cause I was, I was in Fresno at the time. I said, maybe we gather athletes in the area and we, and we discuss, you know, how, how, how are we going to respond? What are we going to do? And, uh, it just kind of, it just kind of came out and I was like, you know, let's do something bigger. Let's, let's hold, let's hold a, a protest. Let's hold an event and let's, um, let's have, you know, a public display of solidarity and, you know, we're going to, we're going to limit our actions to being, you know, verbal and we're going to, we're going to have people speak and we're going to, we're going to talk and we're going to work this out and we're going to do what we're going to, you know, what we're setting out to do is we're, coming to have a conversation and we're coming to gain understanding and knowledge. And, and, you know, by no means was this me thinking I'm going to come out here and educate all these people. What, what I wanted was to go out and be educated and be, you know, uh, open, open-minded and open-eared and have an open heart and listen to what these people have to say and listen to what everybody, you know, what, what people are going through mentally, physically, and, you know, Elon did an amazing job. He has, uh, he has some great connections in Fresno and we got a lot of people together. Um, I don't remember the exact head count for like everybody that showed up, but you know, we had it organized with Fresno PD and it was, it was really just a, it was inspirational. And, you know, for me being able to listen to people come up and speak and, you know, I had the opportunity to speak as well and share, um, a little bit about what I study and, what, um, what inspired me to kind of, you know, get involved in this. And I think the, uh, the overarching message of everything we were trying to do was there's so much, we see so much hate and we see so much division in our country that we need to start building unity if we want to see any progress. And not only that, but we need to fight against people that are, you know, stoking that division and that hate. And it's not, it's, you know, by no means is it over now. And that's, that's something that's kind of been on my mind lately is like, Hey, what's the follow up here? You know what I mean? Okay. We have a new president in office. We have, you know, a little bit less, we we're seeing a little bit less about what's going on. You know, we're seeing, we're not seeing as, I'm not seeing as many videos as I was in June and July. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not seeing as many videos, but I don't think that means that they're not there. If that makes sense. And I, you know, that's been on my mind heavy lately is just, you know, what to do next. But, um, yeah, as far as what we, as what we did do though, is we had some amazing people, athletes, law enforcement, military, um, teachers, educators, education administrators, um, come up and, and, you know, share their experiences, share their knowledge, uh, kind of open up their hearts a little bit. And it was, it was moving to me. It was, I, I honestly can't tell you how much that just being one small, tiny part in that whole event meant to me and having the opportunity to listen to those people is priceless. And that's, 
that's impacted me. You know, I can't, you know, can't be more grateful for my education at Cal, but that real world experience definitely played a big part in my, you know, holistic education and what I'm, what I'm trying to learn and what I'm trying to do. And it was, you know, it was an amazing experience. So that's, you know, I, I, I honestly wish that we, uh, we could have had that same event, you know, with the team and with, you know, every, everybody, honestly, I, I can't think of a person that, you know, wouldn't benefit from attending that and not, you know, not because of anything that I did, but because of the, the, um, collective, you know, compassion and the collective wealth of knowledge that was shared there. So as you started to plan this and create it, you knowing just from my experiences with Fresno, so I'll obviously play the a little bit more of like an ignorant role to, uh, but I know Fresno a little bit, and I know that Fresno is very different than Oakland or Berkeley or San Francisco in regards to one. If you look at the demographic makeup of the city, it's quite different, and then two, if you look at the uh, the way that it leans from a maybe you know just electoral standpoint, it's very different. So did you face resistance and continued uh, resistance from that? Like, have you had or the, the awkward conversations that I think every single one of us has had with those that have uh, different views? And, and what did you find was successful in maybe bringing unity and then maybe what wasn't successful in that? And I realize I asked you like four questions in one, but so feel free to I take any it. of I them. I got them all. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll say this. I think as far as having difficult conversations with people about topics of race, about topics of, um, injustice, about topics of, you know, events that we see and, and things that happen in our world that are polarizing or are spun politically to be polarizing. I think having a basic understanding of, um, you know, we have to, we have to have a baseline of what we see as unjust or just. And before a conversation can happen, you have to be operating on the same plane there because I could go and tell someone that that was unjust and they go, no, it's not. And then the conversation from there, am I trying to, you know, change their mind about what's going on? And, and that's not necessarily to say that, you know, their mind can't be changed, but, um, it, it definitely has to have a baseline understanding of, you know, are we, are we going to have a conversation or am I going to be the old man yelling at the clouds here, trying to change your mind on something that you just, you just have no interest in listening to me. So I, you know, I think, I think budgeting your, your mental, um, your mental energy in having those conversations with the people that are what I like to call on the fence where they say, you know, I didn't like that this happened, but you know, X, Y, Z, you know, there's, there's an excuse there's, you know, okay, well let's, let's talk about it then. What, what do you see as what justified that? Okay. Well let's, you know, let's approach it from that angle. Let's have a discussion. But, you know, frankly, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be in the business of changing people's morality, you know? And I, I think that's an extremely difficult task and I'm, you know, more power to you if you're able to do that for somebody, but to me, that's, you know, in many cases, it's just unrealistic. So I think having it, I think it's more effective to find the people that are on the fence or that just need to be, per, you know, 
I don't like to use the word persuaded, but like to be educated on, you know, the realities of situations and discussing it with those people is far more effective. So that's what I'll say as, as far as having those conversations with the other, with, you know, people that are, you know, might disagree or have, you know, a little bit different viewpoint on things. And I, I by no means think I'm an expert on any of this either. So if they have a point of view and, you know, they're, they're able to teach me something, whether it's about the law, whether it's about, you know, how, how certain, um, you know, how certain policy affects certain situations. I'd love to hear that as well. And I have my beliefs and, you know, I, I think my, my moral beliefs are pretty firm, but if it has to do with a legal belief or not a legal belief, a legal fact, I'd love to hear it. And then the conversation from there can be, well, is this law just, is this producing, you know, an environment where people are being valued where you know, everybody's life is being valued where people are being put in the position to be successful, to be happy. And so, you know, the conversations, as far as that goes, you know, it, it can be hit or miss. I'm not going to lie to you. You can, you can, you can open, you can open up to somebody and they can just have no interest in listening to what you have to say. And that's, that's a very sad reality, but I think every, you know, like you said, we're all having those conversations with people and that, that happens. So, you know, I, you know, I wish that there would be certain situations where we we could all agree, but it's just not the reality, you know, and I, I hope one day it can be, but that's why we're working on this now, right? Yeah, most definitely. Well said. I think the, you know, what you've done and, and continue to be able to do, especially by, you know, as you sort of evolved from initial conversation to potentially having a group discussion to saying, no, like this needs to be out there. People need to see this. That's to me, I think that's the power of it is regardless of whether or not we're able to have that conversation, the hope is that that conversation is maybe pushed by two people that drove by or two people that read about it in the news, you know, and, and then that conversation is happening in a place that maybe otherwise it wouldn't. And that can kind of create that curiosity. So I won't wax any more political on this than I already have, but I, I just wanted to say like hats off to you, man, that it's really impressive to do it at that age. I, I just wasn't even concerned um, not to make a comparison, but yeah, you're doing great things. So keep it up. You know, I thank you. I, I appreciate that. But you know, I, I, I tweet it with anything I do with whether it was working with a food bank or whether it was working in this, but I'm just one small piece in a collective effort. And really it's, it's not, it's, I, I've never wanted it to be like, you know, I never wanted it to be really a pat on my back. You know, I appreciate you saying that, but it's, it really just has so much to do with, you know, the community. And I, I, I really love Fresno and I, I, I want, you know, some of the things that we, we talked about, I know aren't, you know, might not be the most popular opinion here. And I think, I think there's a lot of work to be done and I think there's a lot of great things about Fresno, but just as a whole, you know, I'm just, I'm just grateful to be able to play just a small role in everything. Let's uh, can we talk about your time, you know, volunteering for a little bit as well, uh, you know, just handing out food and to to families in need and, and people in need during the time of the pandemic. Um, what was that experience uh, like for you and how did that mm, I'm trying to figure out how to formulate this question in my head? So it doesn't sound like an elementary school question, but uh, um, how did how did like your experience seeing firsthand how 
especially in this case, right, where public policy played such a huge factor in a lot of these people being displaced or unable to make ends meet um, throughout this pandemic. Like, did that did that strengthen? Did that did that just in, reinvigorate you in like what you're studying and want to pursue that and and push the agenda? You know, with what you're studying even more. Uh, you know, it did, and I I think I think the the main takeaway from that experience to me was just being grateful for you know the 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 privilege that I had to be able to be in a position to be helping people and not being you know looking for help. And I mean that in a humble way, but you know being being in the position to to be able to be of service and it, you know, having, having the ability to go out and, you know, spend time giving back to the community that it meant a lot to me because I saw people there that were, you know, struggling. And that was, that was very moving to me personally. And I know it was everybody that volunteered there. And, you know, what, uh, my lifelong best friend, Austin, he was, uh, he, he goes to the university of San Diego. He's pre-med. He's going to do amazing things. He, he's going to be an orthopedic surgeon. I always tell him, I'm like, Hey, when I get, when I start getting creaky and older, or, you know, after playing football, you're going to take care of me, dude. But he, uh, he, I, I, I texted him. I was like, Hey, well, you know, uh, Elon actually, Elon and I did a lot of stuff together, you know, from, uh, well, I was home over quarantine, but Elon was the one who connected me with that. And he was like, Hey, we're coming out on Saturday morning. So you should come out. I was like, all right, cool. And I texted Austin. I was like, Hey, you're coming out with me. This is going to be, you know, we're going to, we're going to go out here and we're going to make a difference. And you know, Austin's great. He's jumped on that opportunity too. And we went out there and it was, it was, you know, it was humbling to see all these people, you know, lining up even like 30 minutes before we were even set up to, to get some groceries. And what was, what was really encouraging about it though, was we were, so we, we started by getting donations from the Central Valley Food Bank. And that, that was like the main stuff that we were, the main like food we were able to give out. But then after like a couple weeks, we started to get more donations and some of it would be from like local businesses and like grocery stores and stuff like that. So when, when they first started coming out, we would only have, you know, maybe two bags of groceries, like some dry pasta, like that kind of stuff. And then after, you know, a couple of weeks we were giving them, you know, that central Valley food bank bag and then like some fresh fruit and, you know, all kinds of stuff and just seeing people in the community step up and it just, it really is just that, you know, collective effort. Everybody's just playing their one small piece in that collective effort. And it was, it was inspiring to see, you know, how we as a community in Fresno were able to come together and, and, you know, fight that battle, but also, you know, disheartening to see that so many people were going through it like really, really bad. And I just, I mean, I, I spoke about it in a, a interview of interview previously, but, um, one, one part of that experience that really, that really touched me was it was the end of the end of the, the morning when we were passing out food. Um, and we had run out of food and there was one car left and it was just like, Oh, brutal. You know what I mean? And they, cause they'd been waiting in that car for 25 minutes and just, you know, I wasn't the one to go and talk to them and figure out the plan from there, but it was, you know, the look on their faces, I'm not going to forget that. Man, it's a yeah. We live in uh, diff- difficult circumstances right now, and I think a lot of us sometimes take it for granted that we're in privileged 
situations. And that's not to like say, ah, we're we're the lucky ones, but it's just I think even more so because we're in those circumstances, as as Zach you said, you know, we're we have to be more willing to to help and and to to reach out a helping hand. I think that's that's like that's key right now. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think I think to me, you know, really I feel like my mentality with all this stuff is just due to how I was raised by my parents and they're, they're both very giving people. They're very, you know, they like, they, they go out and whether it's working with nonprofits or, you know, donating their time or resources or anything, um, they're very involved in stuff they're passionate about. And, you know, they've raised me to be that way. And, uh, one thing that's, you know, stuck with me is how they teach, you know, they taught me from a young age, you know, if you, if you have the ability to do something, it's your responsibility to do it. So, it just, you know, and I, I feel that, I feel that way about, you know, everything. And I think, uh, I think that's a, the, me- the mentality to have is, you know, we're, we're all here to serve some purpose and, you know, finding a way to use your gifts and use your time wisely to help other people, I think is one of the, one of the best ways to do that. Man, I don't know how, how to like pivot or. Or move on from the Andy. You got anything? Do you guys want to talk about the cheese bowl again? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> got to lighten it a little bit. No, it's. I, I think it's all it's all great and just really. If you know, it, it's been one of those things that's not talked about a lot, but food insecurity is really high. So, uh, and all these things like the fact that you're seeing it in person makes me reflect. Because I mean, I remember dropping off stuff. Uh, down in uh, Emeryville and I was like I was super uncomfortable because there's so many people out and you know social distancing some people don't have masks on like look like it's a different world uh, in the sense of like not everyone can afford a mask not everybody has a mask other people were just on the corner and, and you know it's, it's unnerving to me but then to also have the experience of like of you talking about how unnerving it is to see that and to see those people and to understand it at that level that's it's a really important perspective to have. So I appreciate you for sharing that. And uh, it's a great conversation to be having right now. So thanks for, you know, being able to bring that to us. Yeah, absolutely. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.